0: part six of the fates of the princes of dovid by kenneth morris this LibriVox recording is in the public domain the story of puil and rhiannon or the book of the three trials the second branch of it namely the basket of gwythford Nuinog and gwythford Nuinog himself one the anger of pendar and and the putting of firing in the basket the year and the day were over all but three days and still they had heard no rumour of the thing they were seeking with their long wanderings in the east and the west and the strange glamorous nature of the world they were traversing there was no such thing for them as to know were they near or far from the court of hevaith or what way they should take to come to it and they were due there in no more than three days time this is where they were that evening in the midst of a wide sandy plain with here and there sparse reeds on the brink of a pool and here and there the round tump knee-high and its meagre bearding of dry rushes hardly enough to put a whistle on the passing wind far on the right the land rose from sand it became green low-lying pleasant country as they could see from the head of any eminence and beyond a line of forest-clad mountains ruddy purple now against the sunset on their left all was flat marsh or dry sand and gleaming stretches of scarlet and yellow where there were waters the road ran by a house half in ruins in a garden where once there would have been flowers of a thousand colours and all the herbs that keridwen needs for her enchantments now there was little there but rank grass and the nettle and the burdock the wild chicory and the mullen and a little indeed of the blue forget-me-not run wild and passing from blossom into seed as for the house the white lime was half washed from it by rain and the fern thatch half broken in the whole appearance of desolation was over it an old man was sitting beside the doorway his clothing was little better than rags and his hair and beard untrimmed and his aspect no less bitter than miserable "'Greeting of the God and the Man to you kindly,' said Pool Penannon. "'is there news with you concerning the basket of Gwaithvid Vidnuinog "'or concerning Gwaithvid himself?' "'If I knew anything, it is doubtful whether I would tell you. "'Shall I have no peace to consider my sorrows "'without listening for rumours on the winds of the world?' "'As for sorrow, it might well get its lightning with us. "'It would be better for you to do that, "'than to be troubling the peaceable "'with these foolish inquiries?' "'Lord,' said the Domitians, "'there are no more than three days. "'It would be better to go forward "'in search of the basket.' "'Not so,' said he. "'We will heed the counsel of the princess. "'If there is sorrow here, "'we will not pass it till it is lightened.' "'Sorrow there is, "'and three heavy parts of it,' "'said the old man. "'See you yonder lines of mountains "'in the east. "'We see it.' i can get no firing that will comfort me except the fallen beechwood from the forest on their slopes heretofore i was able to travel thither and fill a basket with the firing and that would be enough to satisfy me from one january to another but now i am old and bent double and a prey to weakness and coughing and the thought of journeying is hateful to me and undoubtedly i shall perish of the cold anyone desired to lighten the first part of my sorrow he would obtain the firing for me he would not idle here and trouble me with vain questions and inquiries we will obtain it for you gladly said poole with the dawn of the morning there shall be a going out after it in the morning they rose up early lord said pendan and david he was poole's pentaili there was no one among the demetians either stronger or more impatient than he "'Is it permitted to me to go for the firing?' "'It is permitted you gladly,' said Poole. "'The old man came out of the house. "'Ah, it is you that will go, Pendaddon David,' said he. "'Take you this basket with you, and let it be filled to the brim. "'Less than that would be no lightning for my burdens.' "'It was a flat straw basket. "'The firing it would hold would hardly burn for an hour. "'Filled to the brim shall it be,' said Pendaddon it will be easy to accomplish that thereupon he went forward he crossed the plain swiftly and the rolling land of bracken and heather blue was the sky above his head sweet-scented the bog-myrtle by the slow peat-dark streams delicately poised the tufts of the bog-cotton in the hollows before the dew-drop was gone from the bloom of the harebell where it might have shade from a brake-frond he had come to the rising of the ground and the fernland running up in a wide green beautiful bay between two arms of the forest bright were the acres of fern delicately bending before the wind brightly gleaming was the golden green of the beech tops hardly could he see the gentle blue and purple of the mountains beyond them through that bay of bracken the path led towards the heart of the wood where the firing would be to be gathered he had traversed as much as half of it when there fell an unknown delight and glory upon the morning the beeches seemed to be fountains of green fire through their trembling leafage sprays of some arcane quickening flame seemed to be playing there was a stillness of winds and yet a quivering of the fern as if with delight the whole air became brighter than the diamond as he looked and marvelled and exulted he saw a man coming down towards him out of the forest never had he known the like of such exultation and delight and glory as thrilled inward from his two eyes and over his whole being when he caught sight of him the man was white-haired and white-bearded yet it was to be seen that there was such strength in him as would be with few even the proudest breakers of battle a sheathed sword was beneath his cloak a helmet of bright silver on his head on his left arm was a little shield of such pure clear white brightness as will not be found on snow or foam though the sun be shining on them his face was complete in beauty and majesty so that there will be no likeness for it in the length and breadth of the world but the kind friendliness of his aspect was equal to its majesty and beauty the greeting of heaven to you pendarambach said he speaking to that great warlike champion as if he were a child the greeting of heaven to you pendaren dear lord said pendaren laughing with delight to get such words from the like of the one that was speaking to him the greeting of the god and the man to you courteously and reverently and a thousand times better to you than to me and more than a thousand times who shall i say that it is then if it please you to tell me whoever it is would you take counsel from him said the old man and proud and glad would i be to take it said pendaran for he knew the aspect of a god when he might see one it is this then said the other heed no advice you may obtain in the forest as for the basket it would be unfitting to be overheedful whether it were full or not when it may seem to you that you have gathered as much as should fill it go back with it to it would be better that he should have the looking into it and the examining whether it be full or half full and there is this saying also said he common with the impatient is their meeting with misfortune that is true said pendaren and a hundred thanks to you will there be peculiarities with the forest then there will be few things without peculiarities said the other the forest is the forest of It is a main privilege for even the mightiest to go up into it, and of those that go, there will not be many that obtain the firing. As to that last, whoever kindles it will get more than the warming of his limbs. No smallness of soul and no ungenerosity will remain with him. And there is the basket too, he said, that also will have peculiarities. Indeed will it, said Pendaron. Is it permitted to me to obtain tidings of them? But in the midst of his speaking the old man was gone. At one moment he was there, in his whiteness and kindly dignity. At the next there was nothing but a hawthorn in the glory of its bloom where he had been standing. There was no bloom on it before his coming, whatever, said Pendaran. In my deed to himself, said he, who Benador Bud was that one, who Gadarn he would have been. If there are eyes with me for the seeing then he made this song in honour of hugh and sang it as he went up towards the forest i saw the forest beeches yield and fountain forth in feathery flame their secret glory unrevealed and lo from out the fire sprays came the master of the shining shield heart of the world heart's oriflame I saw the trembling leagues of fern, and the huge beech-trees bow them down, and a thousand dark green rushes turn, and bend their tufted blossom-brown, and the whole woodland bloom and burn, to yield him golden robe and crown. And as I passed the marshy mead, I heard a little peat-dark stream grow vocal, and indeed, indeed, a song that had the opal's gleam went tinkling down from reed to reed, Till the whole world was wrapped in dream because of him such wild delight hath filled the oozel's bier with tune the cuckoo's far and wandering flight with such lone merriment is strewn and the thrush makes the wood's edge bright beyond the cloudless light of noon and still from out the purple hills i hear him roving through the sky and still the wondering wildwood thrills his footsteps drop such melody to ripple forth in music rills on all the winds that wander by o mightiest of the mighty ones and smallest of small things that be commensurate with stars and suns and the plumed splendors of the sea who through the atom burns and runs bide thou and shine at heart in me For the exultation of the morning had taken hold upon him, and the beauty of the world was multiplied before his vision with every step of his going. Never had he known the sun to have such an appearance of gleaming on all the tremulous leaves of the forest. Like fountains of delicate green, golden-tinged flame, the great beeches rose before him. Never had he understood till then their secret aloofness, the haughty exultation of their pure dreaming he passed the first of them, where their boughs swept low along the ground, he came to the great spaces of the forest where the lowest branches would be as much as a bowshot almost from the earth, a place pillared with innumerable gray unbranching tree- boles, the roadways of the squirrel, a quiet, shady region of the music of the ring-dove and the blackbird many an old limb of a tree was strewn upon the crisp brown leaves of the forest floor but he would take only the best wood and none that was moss-grown none that had turned blue-green with age and decay none that had softness of rot in it delightful to him was the singing of the birds delightful the green gloom and the play and dappling of sunlight and shadow through the leafage far overhead on and on he went and as he finished one poem would turn to the framing of another with many liquid consonances and sweet assonances of melodious sound he framed them for it was beneath the dignity of a warrior in those days to leave any poem unmade of which he might have the making beautifully they sang themselves through his mind imitating the crooning of the wood-dove the music of the oozel, the far sweet shouting of the cuckoo reflecting the rich greenness and the shining of the sunlight on the leaves he had more success with poetry than with getting wood there for what there was was blue-green through and through for the most part and he would not take it so he went forward from one wood to another crossing glades and valleys and stretches of heatherland mounting always towards the mountains and gathering firing here and there as he went certainly whatever he might have put in it the basket was less than full but penderan was not heeding it or heeding it little here there would be rushes to consider and the sweet breath of the bog myrtle here there would be the small growth of the bilberry on the forest floor or the darting of a lizard among the sunlit pebbles and mosses and all these things were a delight to him how should he heed what firing he might have taken from the gloom of this wood or that from the borders of this glade from the sward there between the beeches and the heather there had not been much for the taking in any place at noon he came to a green drive in the midwood narrow and ferny where the trees might branch low and the thrush find sun-bright leafage for his first chanting and still sun-bright leafage rising above him a mountain not solid of quivering gleaming greenness there at last he found much good firing strewn over the ground the sight of it brought the basket to his mind he opened it and saw that it was half full and with that fell to considering better the filling of it he would return with it to Poole when he should have gathered enough there was hugh gadarn's counsel to be thought of he began picking up the wood following the drive eastward and indeed soon again heeding more of the framing of a poem than giving any scrutiny to Hugh Gadarn's counsel he came to a bend in the drive and stooped down there after the best firing he had seen with his rising up from that and his face turned in the new direction what had been concealed before was made known to him before him the lane cut straight through the wood so that there was a narrow revealing of the mountains, sun-dusky, sun-purpled, beyond unseen valleys afar, between the two high banks of beech-leafage. There, not ten paces from him, and as if waiting his coming, a woodman was standing in the middle of the drive, a man huger than any of the Demetians, with a club in his hand, studded with iron and an axe at his belt, that few could have wielded, even in those days. "'The courteous greeting of the god and the man to you,' said Pendaren pleasantly. "'The greeting of the forest, such greeting as it is, to you also,' said the other. "'Pleasant is the place, truly,' said Pendaran. "'More delightful to me than harping is the singing of yonder bird.' "'Yes,' said the woodman. Suddenly he raised his club, and swung it, and smote with it vigorously at Pendaran, knocking the helmet from his head, and coming near to destroying him but for swiftness in turning aside with that the sky was clouded over and great drops of rain began to fall the poem he had been framing fled out of pendaran's mind and the impatience of his nature rose up discourtesy dims the sunlight said he i marvel that it should be found in such a place as this discourteous is the place for thieves and pilferers said the woodman often they meet with their death here whatever delight and pleasantness of mind had been with penderan during the morning so much the more bitter was the anger that rose in his soul then faster than the oncoming of the ninth wave of the atlantic when it beats upon the headland of ganyan and a wind from the north driving it furiously like the foam of it clouding the world and hissing and bitterly whipping the precipice and like the weight of it caught and hurled and thunderously booming on the face of the rock and whirled and churned and shattered and whitening and pouring in froth and spume so was his mind impelled by vehement raging anger against the woodman and the beauty of the world and song hidden from him and the whole of his memories and purpose broken and confused and driven his sword was out from its sheath in a moment and he leaping to the attack detestably discourteous is thy hospitality he cried unknown to me until now has been the like of this arrogant opposition they fought and the rain drove and beat upon their fighting and the green turf became mire under their feet and the wind howled over the trees and made billows of the tossing tree-tops never had Pendaran met the equal of that warfare for long and long there was no shadow of advantage for his obtaining and he, with the swift, sharp, slant rain driven always in his face. By the time the grey world was darkening, it seemed to him as if his strength were gone. A great blow from the club fell. He took it upon his shield that was shattered by it. He himself was driven back, staggering amongst the low boughs and leafage. "'Thou art a puny pilferer,' said the woodman. "'It is permitted to thee, out of contempt and generosity, to return to the one that sent thee with what thou hast already in the basket penderan laughed his anger rose till it drove all hurt and weariness from his limbs when the basket is full i will return said he when thou art slain and the basket is full it will be time to consider returning like a dragon through the firmament he sprang forward again to the attack if there had been ten men such as the woodman opposing him or more than ten it would have been hard for them to have resisted him at that time. Swifter was his sword than the swoop of the falcon. He divided the club from the end to the handle. He shore it away from the hand of the woodman, so that the two halves of it fell out into the forest, leaving a broken stump alone in the hand that held it. Shameful was the course that his anger compelled him to. He forgot the courtesy of war not waiting while his enemy might draw the axe from his girdle. Without pausing, the sword swept forth again, and the head of the woodman fell from his body. With that, a loud, harsh laugh rang out through the rain and greyness, and the bodiless head was converted into a raven and flapped off, croaking and laughing harshly, and mocking at him through the dripping leaves into the treetops i will have the basket full cried pendaran by the splendour of the clan of hukadarn i will not leave the forest until it is full to the brim the laughter of the dark bird quickening anger and the sobbing of wind and rain were the only answers for him then it came into his mind how he had broken the laws of courteous warfare and done what was unfitting in a warrior of the island of the mighty and the memory of it was bitterness with him during the whole night, and the stubborn hardening of his thoughts. He would fill the basket, although all good and evil might oppose him. He would not meet with the shame of returning with it less than full. All night long he went wandering through the rain, beneath the trees, getting what firing he might, sound or rotten, at dawn the basket was half full and no more than that then blind bitterness took him and complete forgetfulness of all bright and desirable things evil fall upon my beard truly he cried if there is no magic in this hateful basket half full has it been since the noon of yesterday and half full it will remain while the ignorant are filling it said a voice from behind him he turned There was a dwarf sitting at the root of a tree there. Everything about him was the colour of the bare earth. But there was white motion in his eyes, like the motion of a weasel in its hole under a bank. Pendaren drew his sword, and turned on him angrily. "'If thou art here for the sake of fighting,' said he, "'fight thou the wind above the trees,' said the dwarf. "'It is for the sake of helping and good service I am here.' "'That is well,' said Pendaren half full will the basket remain until compulsion be put upon it said the dwarf nothing but force would overcome its peculiarities give me news of them said pendaran yes will i said the dwarf yes yes said he pleasantly no one would fill that basket with mere labour and gentleness he said force and compulsion must it have i should have them gladly if the means of giving them were known nothing but evil have i received from it trample on it said the dwarf overcome its pride by trampling it is no old cocklewoman's pannier from the sands between the tui and the klukur no one would get it full without violently treading down the stuff he may have put into it by heaven i will do that said penderan he set his left foot on the firing in the basket where it lay open on the ground and trod it down violently with both feet must it be said the dwarf otherwise its pride would not be conquered pendaran did as he was counselled no sooner was the right foot of him beside the left in the basket than the dawn and the dwarf and the forest were suddenly blotted out from him it was as if he were at the bottom of a deep well so marvellously had the sides of the basket shot up into the air above his head far above against a brightening of sky and leafage he saw the face of the dwarf peering down at him over the edge. "'Ah!' said that one meditatively. "'It is a pity that so little thought should have been taken for the peculiarities of the basket. "'Too impetuous you were, truly. "'It would have been better to have waited till the whole secret had been made known. "'There are many that make this trial of treading down, "'but few escape without their enveloping in the basket.' and their being made the slaves of the owner of it from that out neither his fault nor mine will it be and there is this saying also he said common with the impatient will be their meeting with the misfortune End of part six